Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast, your go-to source for insights and strategies in the HVAC, plumbing, and roofing industries. I'm Corey Barrier, here to guide you through transformative approaches to business and mindset. Each episode will explore unique methods, focusing on identifying and addressing the core challenges in your field. Our goal is to equip you and your team with practical solutions that foster growth and success. So whether you're tuning in for the first time or you're a longtime listener, get ready to dive into a wealth of knowledge and expertise. Let's begin our journey to success together. This is the successful life. It's Corey Barrier. Yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journeys. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn. Apply it to your life. It's your turn. To live a successful life. You are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. Three, two. Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast. I am your host, Corey Barrier, and I am here with Christy. Is it Tauti? Tauti. Ah, nice. So <laughs> she, Christy, is a nutritionist and a transformational coach as well as she has her pro card. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty impressive. And the reason uh, I say that is because recently I learned um, a little bit more about what you have to go through to get that. And, you know, I feel like, and you correct me if I'm wrong, that a lot of people think that that picture on the day that you do the show is what you look like all the time. <laughs> that's not, that's not accurate. <laughs> so tell me, so why don't, if you wouldn't mind, delve into that just a little bit for me so everybody can understand you know what does does it look like to be able to do something like that yeah so it's evolved a lot a lot since I started I started competing in 2001 I got my pro card in 2006 but I actually haven't competed for a while um but the sport has evolved and back in the day when I was doing it a lot was um the last week is considered peak week where you deplete your water you deplete your carbohydrates you dry yourself like as as depleted as you can, and then you fill up a little bit that last day. Um, so on stage, you're at your peak, your utmost lean physique, and you got the pictures of that, but it lasts that day. <laughs> so Christy, you said on that last week, what do you mean when you say that last week? What, how many weeks are we talking about? So most people start 12 to 16 weeks out in preparation for a show, but okay. the one week before the show is when you start your depletion, pulling water, pulling sodium, and things like that. Um, so that your skin will be ultra thin and you'll be able to see all the definition that you've been working hard for. And you get all of about how long to look like that? The day, that day pretty much because the next day, as soon as you eat sodium and drink water, you, you gain like, you know, five pounds maybe and you look totally different. <laughs> okay, so I, so that, okay, let's, let's talk about that for a moment. So tell me what that does. Um, you know, I'm into mindset and and, and I, I, I've, de I've done a lot of work, inner work, so to speak, and in the, in, in the realm of, you know, mindset and, and how you think and visualization, how do you, how does, as a, as a, as a young woman, what do you, how does your mind shift from the stage presence 
And then the next day gaining five pounds. I mean, if my wife gains five pounds, she flips the fuck out. <laughs> so I can't only fathom what, what does that do to your mind? Everybody responds differently. And I guess at a young, when I started, I was at a young age, I was very mature in the sport anyway, because I'd followed it so long. So I knew that that was going to happen. And I was very strategic with my coach and how to introduce the water and the sodium back in and at what levels. There's many people who just cut everything off and just eat everything that they want that night. And that's when the negative effects happen, right? But mentally, um, it's important to know that that's part of the process and it's not healthy for you to be where you're at for that peak performance or that peak day. Um, So it's a natural process. I would always um, gradually phase out of things so that I didn't gain the five pounds next day. So I guess it all depends on one, are you prepared mentally for what's going to happen and know that? And then two, are you disciplined enough to follow through with that when the show is not there anymore? Right. So have you found, so you, you, you prep people for this very thing. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So how do you help them with, how do you help their mind get in the shape it needs to, so to speak, to go through this transformation, this process? So I found that there's different types of people that are more suitable for it. People that have had other areas of success and very disciplined in life do well. They thrive off of the structure and off the, you know, the discipline and just pushing through and persevering. And other people who have had a relaxed life and not really challenged themselves that much, they struggle a lot more. So if you're able to put your mind in that place of knowing where your priorities are and how to stay disciplined through that, then you're going to be a lot more successful and it's not as challenging. I feel like my best times in my life and easiest were when I was actually in prep (laughs) because I'm a disciplined person and I wake up, I knew what I was going to eat and do and when I was going to work out and everything was just, there's no options. You just do. So maybe I should have joined the military. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. So what do you think um, maybe going back to childhood or how you were raised or not raised, what do you think, put you in the mindset because how many times have you done this how many times have you competed oh i i competed for 13 years so i don't know 45 times 50 times (laughs) that's a lot so it's a lot of times to have to you know stay to, to that rigid uh daily routine and so can you contribute that mindset to anything like when you were young were you the same way yeah, yeah, absolutely. So my my childhood is really cute. My parents got married and had my sister when they were in high school. Um, so they started off with, you know, odds against them. And they learned that hard work and discipline is how they're going to have to raise their family. They ended up having five girls, um, all just a couple years apart, and worked very, very hard. So I saw that that's just what you do when you want something in life and you you want to have that be your priorities that you work hard. We also grew up kind of out in the country. So at 12, I was picking strawberries, cutting broccoli, and you just wake up and you do that. (laughs) Um, So I know that the hard work was instilled in me at a young age, but then the not complaining, not having options, don't feeling entitled, not feeling entitled to things was another thing is that you have to earn what you're working for. It's not just going to be given to you. So that was very much instilled in me when I was younger. So it became natural. um, And I was an athlete. So I played four different sports and was just always going. When I started competing, it was very natural transition to just, you know, stay in your lane and do your thing. (laughs) And so what, how, at what age did you do your first competition? Um, Let's see, 2001. I was like 22. It was my senior year in college. Okay. All right. All right. I got you. Okay. 
So, um, I'm old now. I'm 40. <laughs> you are 40. So, well, I'm 41. So, I, we're I'm not here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay. Is there, let me ask you this. What, um, what have you found to be the biggest challenge with some of the people that you coach? Is it, is it the fact, is it the mindset? Is it the discipline? Is that, you know, how, or I guess maybe a better question would be, how do you determine who's a good fit for you? Um, I like the people that naturally like to work hard to put in the work. And many times I find that it's either people that grew up in the country having to do that from a young age or athletes already who've already played sports. They know, you know, you have to be there. You got to do it sometimes when you don't want to. Um, those people are easier to, to train for shows, but I enjoy working with all different types of people and finding what's going to connect for them, finding what's going to be there. Why? And when it gets hard, why did they start and just connecting because that's um, something that I feel that I'm passionate about is putting myself into my client's shoes and trying to see the picture through their eyes so that I can find what's going to make them be dialed in with their, um, their goals and their competition prep. That makes total sense. I mean, I, I did, I trained for 10 years, meaning I trained people for 10 years. And so, you know, every person is obviously different and the mindset's different and the way they click is different. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you, you have to have, you know, it's interesting. I watch some of the trainers in the gym where I work out now and they, you know, they're on their phones or they're looking in the opposite direction. And it, it it's mind blowing to me because you've got to pay attention and you've got to be engaged with that client in order for them not to get hurt. One and two, I, I often wonder if they even want to be there. <laughs> yeah. You mean the trainer or the client? The trainer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have a lot. I mean, I'm in the same position as you, but when I would train, when I had a full schedule of clients, it would be exhausting because I'm all in in the moment with them. Like, are they enjoying this? Is it hurting? Would they go home and do the same thing? What are they going to go home and tell their husband or wife that they did today? I have to put those experiences and those thoughts in their mind and know how to connect to them rather than just, here's your workout, five reps, you know, let's go. Because no matter what they're paying, I don't care how much I'm getting. I mean, of course, there's a financial aspect to it. But for me, it's impacting their life and empowering them to be able to move forward and, and impact other people's lives. So if I'm on my phone and wandering around, that was just time for dollars, right? That's not what I'm in it for. Right. And guess how long that's going to last? Not very long. <laughs> yeah. So, um, okay. So you grew up in the country. Where did you grow up? In Oregon. It's a small little, about 1,500 people in my town. <laughs> okay. All right. And, the, and so now you live in? Utah. Utah. That's right. Okay. So um, I, I, had, I really did have a good question and I would just completely. Nutrition. Let's talk about that for a moment. And I'm sure yeah. you'd love this podcast because we're talking about all the shit you have to talk about all day long. But <laughs> um, the reason I bring up nutrition is because I want your take on it. I watched a movie last night or a documentary, I guess it was. I, and I'm trying to remember the name of it. I think it's called Game Changers. Have you ever heard of it? I, no, I haven't seen that one. It, it sheds a lot of light on plant-based diets. What is your feeling on that? This episode of the Successful Life Podcast is brought to you by House Call Pro. Whether you're looking to streamline your operations, reduce paperwork, or boost revenue, Housecall Pro is your all-in-one business solution. Transform your business today with essential tools and support designed to drive efficiency 
and deliver exceptional customer service. To learn more, click the link in the show notes. Um, plant-based. Well, my, my theories and thoughts are on science-based nutrition and then your own philosophy interpretation of that. So I've evolved from different, of course, high meat, high protein diets with competing. But since I haven't done that and I haven't trained a lot of competitors for a long time, I've looked at more of a whole food source in general. Now, plant-based is important. And I actually feel like some people should, most people should experiment with that and see how their body feels and responds to it. Many times you've eaten meat all your life and you don't realize that that's causing inflammation and you know, digestion issues. Then when you switch over and you go to a plant source of protein and, and, and nutrients, you might find that you feel way better. So I, I'm not set on any one given approach, but I do um, start with the science and then see what each person might need for their, their personal bodies. So you mentioned, you know, if you mentioned the decrease in inflammation and uh, digestive issues. I don't know if that's exactly how you said it, but I think that's what you said. And so with that, um, what kind of decrease are you, do you do plant-based or no? No, okay. um, actually I have experimented because I ate meat five, six times a day for about 14 years. And, um, that was just what I did. And that's how I knew how to gain muscle and be lean and that type of stuff. But recently over the last three to four years, I was like always bloated and inflamed and just, couldn't figure out because I'm tracking my food. I'm assuming everything I always had been, but I think in, over, throughout time, your body creates certain intolerances of things that you've continued to eat for so long. And in my case, I, I feel like it was strongly meat, animal proteins. Um, so I did switch over and do more of a vegetarian approach. Um, it felt good to eat totally different types of foods and trying to get more protein sources from plant-based foods. But um, it wasn't something that I personally wanted to sustain for a while. And in fact, I've introduced the meat back in and I feel fine now. So maybe my body just temporarily needed that break for three to four months. And that's how long you did it, three to four months? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it was interesting. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger was one of the people on there. And I guess he is a, he, he's plant-based at this point. Yeah. And to hear him talk about it, it's super strange to me because <laughs> they ne- never would have million years would have thought Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger would say, hey, you know, you can get all your stuff from plants, but they made some really interesting points. And a lot of athletes do far better than, than they far better on a plant-based diet than they do, um, you know, with meat. And I just did not, I didn't, I had no idea because like you, I mean, I grew up and meat is what you eat. If, you know, if you want to gain muscle, but I guess there's a lot of, there's some science behind the whole plant-based thing. I think I'm going to try to move towards plant-based or not. I'm not going to try. I am going to move that way. I don't really want to, but I am because I think it'll make a difference in the way I feel. Yeah, absolutely. And since you're familiar with, you know, if someone was brand new to eating clean and healthy and stuff like that, and they tried it, it's hard to know whether it's just eating healthier is making you feel better or if it's because you're eating plant-based. But for someone who has a great, decent amount of knowledge and experience with it, it's good to pinpoint things that they feel better energy, better sleep, better recovery, you know, things like that, maybe less illness. So yeah, I feel like there's a season for everything. I don't know that I would be directly one thing for the rest of my life, but to branch off and experiment on other things is good, especially as a trainer, because then you can relate to, yeah, I've tried this before. Here's some certain types of recipes and you know how you shop, but I don't feel like you should, um, me personally should veer off all these different directions of now I'm a keto coach and now I'm a 
vegetarian um, coach and you know <laughs> no i totally i agree fasting <laughs> yeah i totally agree oh so the intermittent fasting i'm glad you brought that up um do you all do you do you do intermittent fasting so I don't personally, because I wake up in the morning and I'm so starving, I feel like I want to throw up. <laughs> and I work out at five o'clock in the morning. So if I'm starving, I'm going to throw up and I need to have a one and a half to two hour workout. Doesn't work for me. But I have my sister who's an athlete and very strong, powerful. She, I put her on programs and she, every time in the morning, she's like, I feel so sick when I eat. I, I don't feel good. So finally we were like, okay, let's just try intermittent fasting. It's not my theory or my approach, but it feels so natural and so good for her. And she's thriving off of it. So that's fantastic. So we have, we have started my, you know, but like you, my wife, she calculates everything. She has, <laughs> you know, puts everything down. I mean, everything. <laughs> and so, you know, I would say it's definitely a better, it's a, it's a better quality than not giving a shit, I guess. Yeah. So, um, but we, we, she gets the same feeling as you in the morning. And so the intermittent fasting for her doesn't really work for me. On the other hand, I've been doing just 12 hours, which is really not that much as long yeah. as you don't get up and you feel sick, of course, which I didn't. Um, I think I've seen a difference. I know that I'm not eating anything. You know, I, I know that I'm not snacking on crap that I used to for sure. Um, so anyway, I, I think it's interesting how you know, if we'd have brought this up 10 years ago, people would have thought we were crazy. Yeah. Yeah. The way yeah. You have to eat breakfast. That's your most important meal of the day. That's what it used to always be. Right. Right. And real, so, men, and real men eat meat. Yep. <laughs> so for me, I'm like, you know, calories, macros, those things we can, those are science. You can kind of eating healthy food in general, but then branching off to what each individual, my husband wakes up and he doesn't want to eat till 11 or 12 either, you know, so intermittent fasting might work great for him. Yeah, I get it. I mean, I don't know if I could hold on. I don't know. I guess I could, if I may chose to, you know, not eat till 11 or 12, I think that'd be a challenge. <laughs> so I'm not going to lie to you. Um, so uh, I want to ask you, uh, is there, is there something, uh, and this is kind of a random question, but, is there anything over the last five years that you can think of that, that you absolutely wouldn't change that sticks out in your mind? And this is like, that you would not change something that's happened in your life. Like for me, I got married a little, a little over a little under five years ago. That's something that I wouldn't change. So this is delving in more to anything personal, not really nutrition wise or, or, or um, contest, just something you wouldn't change that you've that's happened over the last five years you'll see where well, i'm going uh, with this in a moment okay um we we moved to utah about almost three years ago from living in oregon and um that was something that was a very difficult change but i uh, i wouldn't um i don't regret doing it at all um and in doing so it allowed me to free up some of my mental space for my children I have a 14-year-old daughter and a seven-year-old son, and as they're going into their teenage years, they don't just need your time and energy like when they're a toddler. They need your mental capacity and for you to see and, and uh, understand what they're not going to tell you. And so when I was able to free up my mental capacity as far as um, not running all the things that I was doing in Oregon, that's one thing that I will never change and I will never regret, whether it's financially rewarding or not. That's something that will continue to move forward with that. Okay, so give me an, an example of what you mean as far as your mental, you, mentally you were tied up in Oregon. What is that? What do you mean by that? 
So my husband and I, um, well, we're entrepreneurs and I never started off wanting to be, I never grew up wanting to do that. It just evolved through competing and then having a studio and it got too big. Then we opened our own gym in Oregon and in doing opening the gym, that was a brick and mortar where I had to be there a certain amount of hours and I was everybody for everything. Um, and I was just mentally maxed out. I'd get home and my mind's still running and I, you know, that was not a position that I felt like would be good for my kids and raising my children because I'm the mother, you know? Sure. And so um, that was a busyness that wasn't only just work. It was busy work. And I like to be effective with what I do. So we moved here, um, let the gym, we sold the gym off and then, um, and now we're online. So I'm at home all the time. If they get sick, I'm at home, you know, and, and we have an online app where we run all of our training and stuff like that. So it's been a hundred percent difference. That's been much needed in my family. That is fantastic. So yeah, I can 100% identify with, oh my God, coming home from the days of 10 or 11 and sometimes 12 clients in a day is, and plus being the owner of the business was even worse. I I shouldn't say worse. I mean, I chose it, right? We, I, I chose to be an entrepreneur and, but man, those days are, they're tough and, and there's not a lot left in the tank for your spouse or your kids when you get home. Yeah. There's just not. Yeah. Um, all right. So maybe 10, let's go 10 years back. What is there? Is there something in your life that you wouldn't change that happened in the last 10 years other than the Utah? <laughs> something that I wouldn't change. Um, I don't know. Back then was when I was competing <laughs> 10 years ago. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm happy with the choices and the experiences and things that I've done throughout life. And I've myself evolved with my mindset and where I'm at and who I'm associating with and stuff like that. But, um, I don't know. I guess I need another question. <laughs> okay. So the reason, you know, I asked the que- that question is, you know, we have things throughout our life that happen and they're, sometimes they're good at the time. Sometimes they're bad at the time. And then looking back, if, you know, there have been things in my life that have happened that at the time I thought was the end of the world. Mm. And looking back, I wouldn't trade it for anything because it's helped me to evolve into the person that I am today. So that's yep. why I was yep. kind of asking the question, the, that question in particular was just to yep. see um, if you had, well, I mean, you, I think you're an RTA person, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, it's kind of like Andy or Ed, they say, you know, they defy defining moment. Um, mine was I stopped drinking 10 years ago and, and I had, I went to AA and then I have moved on from AA, but I'm still sober. Um, and so I wouldn't have chosen to have to go through that, but I'm certainly glad that I did. Yeah. You know, so I guess that, that was kind of, where I was going with that. Um, yeah. I think it's like Ed always says, is things don't happen to you. They happen for you. And your goal, I mean, the, to benefit from that, you just, you is how you respond to it. Right. So you wouldn't have chosen to have been an alcoholic, but the way that you respond to it and move forward and use that to teach and help others is absolutely what it happened for you. Right. So for me, um, and this wasn't necessarily a bad thing, but when I was competing, I was going to the Olympia, which is top, the top competitions in the world for this as a professional athlete. So I was 
you know, training for the Olympia and then um, had, uh, running our gym. I had 50 clients at the same time. Soon after that, I got pregnant and I stepped back on stage when my son was six months old. I mean, I just had everything going on and I wouldn't ask to be that busy or to step on stage when my six, son was six months old, but that's something that was happening to me. And so now I use that for when other people are busy in their lives and I'm trying to train them for a show or for a transformation. Um, anything that happens to me, um, negative or positive, especially if it's negative, I turn it around and I say, okay, I'm going through this so that I can help somebody else who's gone through it. I have to do lots of cardio to lose weight. So when I, when I do that, I'm like, that's fine because someone else might have to do that. And, you know, just being able to take what's happening to you and be able to show them how to deal with it is going to be what we take from it. Yeah, it really does help people. You know, and if you're co if you're coming from a good place of when you talk about you know helping people through an experience, you know, as long as your intent is good, and I love the I love that I love talking about, you know, if your intent for doing something good is so you'll get something in return, that's the wrong intent. Yeah. Um, but to be able to share that experience with someone and to be able to identify with them. I know that helps people to get through that experience so much better. Yeah, absolutely. And they can feel it too. You know, especially in our position, working with clients and stuff like that, they can feel that what your purpose is. You know, I've, I guess it's a weakness and a strength, but having success stories is one thing that many trainers use as their marketing tool. So, but I struggle with that because their success story is intimate to them and it's intimate to me. I'm not training them so that I can get a good success story and get the next person. And so when I start with somebody, I say, write down and journal your thoughts and feelings so that you can reflect back on it. And, and I want to share these things with you because this is our journey together. But if I'm like, okay, where's your picture? Where's your story? I want to post it. Then I feel like I got the, they might get the wrong message out of it. A lot of times it does work out okay and it feels natural and they're excited and they want to share it. And so I do do that, but that's not my, my main way of marketing because that wasn't my intent when I started with them. So I need to have a different mindset and a different approach, but it's the personal feelings that I have with my clients, I guess. It's so interesting that you say that because, you know, I, all, I always struggled with testimonials and, and, and displaying people uh in their journey and until you just said that it didn't really it never really clicked with me why I struggled with it and I did I didn't do a very good job with it because it wasn't I didn't think about that going into when I started with a client I didn't think about I mean I thought about them losing the weight but not in a not in that way. I didn't think about it it was I need to use this as marketing. And I yeah. always fell short in that I guess you could say I fell short in that category a little bit because I never marketed that way. Yeah. Didn't. Um, yeah. And I, and I've talked to, you know, people about it because, you know, business coaches and stuff like that, like it is an important tool to utilize because they're paying, you're paying it forward. They're, they're inspiring others to do the same. And if we didn't share their story, maybe someone wouldn't have seen it and they wouldn't have been inspired. So I need to connect the two and, you know, in a positive way and find out how, um, because I am very much a person of planting the seeds. I have so many clients that I trained who had nothing really to do with fitness. And all of a sudden they're a trainer, they're a coach, they're a competitor, they're, you know, they're spreading health and wellness and inspiration throughout the world by the seeds that we're planting. So to find the way to combine the two would be amazing. Let me know if you have any ideas on that. <laughs> right. 
I wish I did. I think about one, probably my biggest success was a, a girl, a lady. Um, she had lost uh, about 120 pounds. Wow, that's awesome. It was incredible. And she was like four foot eight. And, oh my gosh, wow. Right. And she, I think when she started, she was two, uh, two uh, almost 300 pounds. I mean, it was, it was, a, it was a huge difference. And, you know, with her, that's very, it was very personal. One, two, her culture was not one of which she wanted to display anything that had mm-hmm. to do with anything. And she was literally my, and I always kicked in, I shouldn't say kick myself, but I always maybe was a little resentful towards her because that was my biggest success. And I couldn't, yeah. I really couldn't share it because her, she didn't want me to share it. And, yeah. and I didn't really, you know, because she can't, could help a lot of people. Now, let me ask you a question now that we're on that subject. Um, what's been your biggest weight loss? Uh, do people, I assume, come for you also for weight loss? I mean, that's probably, right? Yeah. Yeah. So in the beginning, a lot of it was competitors who were already fit and they just got to the extreme level and they wanted their pictures and that was all fine. Um, but I've also done a lot of general population. Um, I started in Hawaii and, you know, there's a lot of larger Polynesians there, but one of my biggest success stories is a guy named Sean Harvey, um, who has like the greatest mindset, the greatest attitude, but he just struggled with food and food addiction. And he lost 200 or so pounds. He was in a magazine. He was getting interviewed by Tosca Reno. Um, like everything was really, really good. He was such an inspiration to the people in our gym and stuff. So I loved sharing that to the people that were inspired by that, that personal aspect. But a lot of times people, especially if they're heavier, they don't want to show their before and after pictures, which are usually the biggest impact. Oh, did I lose you? No, I think, I think we're good. <laughs> usually the biggest impact, but I found, and you know, in speaking today, um, I use a lot of video as well. So I would interview the client and just talk to them, like how are you, their thoughts and their feelings. So it's not only, ba- it's not based on their body at that point. It's, how did they transform and how did they evolve mentally? What are the skills and tools that they can, you know, move forward, even if they gain weight, but how do you, you know, move forward in life with those types of mindset um, tools, right? Sure, sure. So um, the gentleman you just mentioned, uh, Sean, did he have a lot of skin? Yeah. So what did you do about, not you personally, but what did he, <laughs> what did he do about that? Because that's a huge hurdle at least in my situation with my client, there was a lot of skin left over. And yeah. it's, you know, if you think about all the work that they put in and, and then you have to wonder kind of what goes through their head when they look in the mirror and now all that's just saggy skin. And this is just reality. This is what happens when you get really, really big and then you lose a lot of weight. Yeah. What did Sean do with the skin or did he do anything with it? He didn't. Uh- um, but there are a lot of people that if the resources are available, that they would have surgery for that um, to remove the skin and to tighten it up. That's, of course, like a, not everybody can do that type of thing. But then you start working on, you know, how are you feeling about yourself? How is your performance and how healthy and strong do you feel? I mean, for some people that haven't lost that much, they can, you know, change it over and have muscle that can fill up some of the skin. But like you said, with bigger um, people that have lost and done an amazing job about losing the weight the skin is going to be there. So they either accept it or they can find a way to medically take care of it. She, um, she wound up, she wound up, she'll never listen to this podcast. So I'm pretty sure I'm <laughs> pretty clear, but she, she definitely had surgery. 
Oh, okay. and, that's good. And yes, but then, okay, so there's the third layer. Then you deal with scars. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, she had scars from right here. I mean, they were all the way down. And oh, yeah. It was pretty gigantic. And I just, I mean, it's, you know, not something that you or I felt comfortable discussing because you you want to encourage your client to do whatever is best for them and in that situation I did think the surgery was best because there was a lot of skin and she'd worked really hard um but in that regards I also like to change um I've definitely transformed some amazing physiques but I like to have that switch over and also be performance like once you've reached your fitness your your leanness what, do you want to be strong? Do you want to run faster? Do you want so that it's not only based on how they look? Because how they look is not going to stay the same forever. If they have scars or skin or you know pooch, that's not going to go away. Now, how many push-ups can you do? How fast do you want? Do you want to run a half marathon? So my husband and I are very much seasonal based on how we how we coach. Okay. First thing most people do is usually lose weight, lean out. In the meantime, you're constantly building their their mind as far as like how empowering is this and how good do I feel? Not only about how I look. Then once they reach that goal, it's going to move on to, okay, now I want to get a little bit stronger and increase my calorie intake. And then, you know, so it just kind of goes in a cycle. Then they want to do a race or Spartan, which is one of my favorite. Is <laughs> so it? it goes, you know, round and round. So, okay. So, you know, for the people that are going to be listening uh, or that are listening, will be at the time. Um, what would you say, and this is a tough question, but. Um, and I don't even know if you'll have a, really an answer, but let's just say, what is the average woman height? Five, 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 six? Would you I say? That, yeah. Much what taller would, than me. Five, six. What would, <laughs> uh, how tall are you? Five, two. Oh, are you? Okay. So my wife is five, seven. So, uh, you know, if we take the average female, because there are going to be women that listen to this and, you know, you have a lot of experience. If they, if, if you could give a general calorie intake, for the average woman that's 5'5", five five, what would you say that would be? Yeah, full disclaimer, you're not giving directions or prescribing anything. You're just, I just want your opinion. What would that look like? Yeah. So middle range would be about 1,500 to 1,700 calories. Okay. Uh, macros would change, but about that amount of calories. And then we would adjust it based on, are they trying to lose a lot of weight or just a little bit of weight? And then also how much of output. Some people love to do cardio, so I, will, I can let them eat more because they love to do 45 minutes an hour of cardio. Other people hate it. They just want to lift weights. Maybe they don't put as much output, so they'll be down more like the 1,500-calorie range. So, of course, it goes off how, what, what motivates them, how their body responds, how their energy is and stuff like that. But a middle range I'd start someone at is about 1,500 to 1,700. What have you found to be the, one, of the large, one of the biggest dietary challenges with just think about one of your clients, and I, I guess I'm going to ask you this because I can't keep going back to the, the, the girl that lost the weight. She had, they fasted like, you know, seven times a year, and it was, it was I don't, I don't want to say the word weird or strange. It wasn't weird or strange. It was just much different than my thought process I, it, because they would only eat certain things during those fasts, and those certain things we're not necessarily on the diet plan, so to speak. I don't really like the word diet, but it wasn't on the food plan that we had laid out. Yeah. Have you run into that? Um, I've had one or two clients have been like that. Um, but I can run across a lot of different um, situations and that's a belief in a culture that they're going to follow. And that's not my place to tell them that that's off their plan. So I would adjust what their workouts are. 
Um, if they're eating a lot of additional calories because it's food that's maybe not what they should be having, then I say at this point, we're going to have to increase how much you're burning. Or I'll say this week, we're going to go on hold. You're going to follow what your culture and your belief is for this week. Um, and we're going to call it a reset week. At, on Monday, we're going to see what happened, how you feel, and then we're going to move forward from there. So if you're going to reset a couple times a year, that's what we got to do. So what if it's like a month? The whole month long? Yeah, what if it's like a 30, 40-day fast, and it's like rice and beans? So I would say... It's <laughs> <laughs> tough, right? That's a lot of, of willpower. If they can do that, then they can stick to any meal plan you're going to put them on after that. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. That's so true. Yeah, that's... So, that's lot of commitment to what your beliefs are and I think that that's you know inspiring if that's the route that somebody goes but as far as being a nutrition coach it is a little a little bit challenging to be able to adjust to those things yeah I would have to definitely agree definitely agree um so uh tell me this what you said you never really aspired to be an entrepreneur your husband did was he uh is it, so he works with you right yep okay so um Actually, I was going to ask you what, what aspires you to be an entrepreneur, but I think I'm going to shift gears for a moment. What is that like um, working with your husband day in and day out in the same business and in the same household and, you know, with your kids and, and it, literally it's you all are kind of never apart. If you're like my wife and I, we don't do the same job, but her office is 10 feet from me, <laughs> you know? And so unless she's shooting a wedding, she's a wedding photographer, then she's here editing. Mm -hmm. And so what is that like? So there's a lot of different layers of it because not only um, do we work together and stuff and, you know, we've been married for 18 years, but he's from a totally different culture than me. He's Samoan. He grew up in a third world country and they have a, they're, they're a lot more laid back. They don't, they're not entrepreneurs in general. Like there, you know, there's not a lot uh, of people that, of them that come to America and start their own business. Um, and so we have the cultural difference, but then we also have our personality difference where I'm like, wake up, let's go, let's do this. And he said, oh, he's going to work out, but he's going to work out when he wants to. And he needs a little bit more mind prep behind it, you know? And, but so that has been some of the challenges and communication between men and women and between different cultures. Those have been the challenges, but the benefits have been that we found each of our strengths and our weaknesses. I love to be task oriented and, and, and productive. He loves to do the research and the website and the back end of things, you know. So what the number one thing is to figure out what each person's strength is and what their weakness is and try to complement each other. If you can't, then don't do business together. Yeah. <laughs> you might sacrifice the marriage for that. You know, it's it's interesting because did you go to Arte Live? Yeah. Okay, so the, part of what made me ask you that was if I, I don't remember the couple's name, but they came on stage because they worked together and they talked oh, about, couple, yeah, yes, and so you know they talked about some of their struggles and how they overcame them. And some days they are good, and most day or most days they're good, and some days you know it is what it is. But I found their talk to be really impactful, just to know that there are other people out there like my wife and I, cause we're best friends, right? And we're married and we get along probably 95% of the time, but we also don't incorporate a lot of, we don't know a lot of other people like us. So mm. is that, does that, when I say that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. So um, being together a lot of the time is, it can be good and it could be bad, right? But my sure. husband is such a, a powerful, I have to, cho I choose to see the strengths in him. He's powerful. He's very social. He's charismatic. 
And so I drop those things. And when he's up, I can let myself relax a little bit with, you know, whatever task that needs to happen. When I'm up, then he can relax. And so we learn to read each other's languages. And there's times where, you know, I'll go in the room and work when he's in the living room and work just because I need my space and my time and vice versa. He'll go for a walk. Um, but communication is the number one thing. Just letting him know I'm not mad. I need some, you know, need some me time, whatever. But and how, how, what, how did you learn how to communicate with one another? You know, it, for the people that are listening, that are married, that work together, you know, how did you, how, you know, cause that could be a difficult conversation, right? Um, so what would you say was like a, a, a point that you all figured out, all right, we think we have now figured out how to communicate and tell me about that. Yeah. So, um, I don't say that I'm not saying we have it figured out, <laughs> but throughout the time we've realized the more that we're reading books and listening to podcasts, the better we are because there's, that's like our third party. That's like our counselor, our mediator is, you know, Hey, I read this in the book or Hey, listen to this podcast. When really I'm like, hint, hint, you need to hear this podcast or he's same with me. Right. It's where you, you hear outside of your own mind and your own self, and it helps you to find out problems, and, and other, somebody else is basically answering them for us, right? Not only that, but it's allowing us to try to always be our best self. If you're always trying to be your best self, then you're not, you know, lacking confidence and trying to pick at other people and bring them down as well. That is such a good answer. Um, you know, I found, did you do 75 hard? No, <laughs> but I'm okay. doing, yeah. Right. You do your own thing. It's like my wife. She, she does her own thing and she's like, I don't need whatever, but yeah, I, I did hard for 13 years. <laughs> right. Right. So, but what I found was that when, like you just said, exactly what you just said, when we are, I listen to either, I listen to podcasts all the time or I, you know, now I'm doing a podcast. So it's even more direct. <laughs> or, and then I also, you know, up until I did 75 hard, I, I was not a reader. I would listen to books some, you know, sometimes, but it wasn't my, wasn't really a primary source of, of knowledge. And now, um, I think that because I did that, I did 75 hard and started reading. I now look forward to reading each day. And I do believe that it has helped our communication and I don't mean reading like a communications book, like reading personal development books, reading, yeah. you know, right now I'm, and I reread a lot of books. I reread, you know, I've reread, um, the magic of thinking big. And I don't know if you've ever read that book, but it's fantastic. Um, yeah. you know, I'm rereading, you know, Sean Whalen's book, uh, simply because I interviewed him the other day and oh, we, we and were good. Thought, <laughs> what's that? He's in Utah. Yeah, not right. Right. Remember I yeah. said it in our message. I said, well, it's funny because I'm interviewing somebody else that's from Utah. I think yeah, we, we, we work out at Lifetime together. <laughs> oh, do you really? Yeah. Well, that's too funny. So, yeah. Um, yeah so I like I'm rereading his book just because he brought it up the other day um, or last week when I was interviewing him. So I find that I'm a better person when I'm when I'm reading or when I'm listening to something that of substance opposed to a song or say the radio, but I don't mean. (laughs) Well, what I think is that you're filling yourself up, you're filling your cup and same like this podcast. I, I prepared myself for it mentally, but I didn't give much thought to it because I filled myself up. I'm constantly thinking about, you know, podcast books, things, self, you know, improvement things. 
And so things will come out when they need to come out because I filled myself up. But if I leave myself empty by watching garbage on TV, listening to just the radio, not spending that time, then I have nothing to draw upon. And that's when I should be nervous and worried about what I'm going to say <laughs> or how I'm going to communicate with my spouse, right? I can't, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. And, and, and I have, we have proven because my, my wife does, she doesn't read as much as I do. And so I know when our communications off that, that somehow I believe that it is linked to this very thing, not listening to a podcast or whatever the case may be. I absolutely believe that because like you said, you can get the answers from listening to a podcast of somebody that you're interested in, as long as it's something constructive, which I, I don't, I don't know why you wouldn't listen to something constructive anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. but maybe people do. I actually, yeah, I, I tried, <laughs> I tried to listen to a different podcast that was about, you know, it, it's Frank Caliendo. Do you know who that is? Mm-hmm. Ed, Ed actually interviewed him. He's, absolutely hilarious he does voices and stuff he's funny oh yeah i started listening to that one the other day yep <laughs> so funny and 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 but i listened to his podcast and i'm like all right so like i listened to two of them and i'm like this is it's just i mean i like the guy i loved him on the ed show but i don't like his podcast yeah because it's so he, pointless he has his unique approach to things and if you're into that then you'll you'll fit it but if that's not your industry or your approach then it's probably not what you want to listen to. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, no, it, it's really not. It was, you know, it's about sports and stuff. And, and oddly enough, even being in training and being in the gym atmosphere for so many years, I still don't really give a shit about watching sports. <laughs> I just don't. I feel like it's a waste of time for me anyway. Mm-hmm. And this year, especially, we didn't play fantasy football. So this year, I found myself working harder on what we're doing right now to make sure I'm set up uh, to do like this. I have worked hours and hours and hours to get this thing right. And, and I've completely disregarded the whole football season practically. Yeah. You wouldn't have had time to do your, what you need to do now if you're watching it. (laughs) No, you're exactly right. You're and if I would, and I just told my wife the other day, if we were doing fantasy, I wouldn't have taken the time to do this. And Mm -hmm. then I wouldn't be growing. And she said, well, I think I want to play next year. I said, well, I'm probably not. I mean, I'm probably just not. (laughs) I doesn't give me, it doesn't add a single ounce of value to my life. Yeah. I agree. I don't want, you know, I don't watch TV or movies like hardly at all. I have a lot of um, friends here that do and they, Oh, this movie, hot, this and this, and I can't relate in some ways. I feel guilty because I'm not able to carry on an intelligent conversation in regards to that fact that, or that issue, that topic that they're talking about. But in other ways, I'm, I can't um, have that much unproductive time in my life. I have a family and a business and clients, you know, and so to be productive is what I thrive off of. And even though they feel like maybe I can't just chill and relax sometimes to chill and relax gives me anxiety. And so <laughs> I need to find what my niche is. And then I, I do set aside times for, you know, developing good relationships with people that are important for me to develop relationships with. Absolutely. That makes, yeah. And I, and I totally agree with you. It's interesting because, you know, I don't, this circles back around to you, like your husband and yourself going out and doing things with other people. There comes a time where it's almost like I can't relate because yeah. 
there's not a lot of people that live like we do that are that we, I mean, we work because that's what we love doing. And quite honestly, like you said, I don't know how to relax. I don't know <laughs> how to chill. Like today, I told you I had the procedure and the doctor said, you don't need to do shit the rest of the day. And I'm like, I'm, no worse. <laughs> I'm not doing that. And so I, I sat downstairs for like two hours and I was still on my phone, but I was like, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'll risk screwing something up if that really is the case, which I really don't think that's the case, but um, I just don't have it in me. Even if like when you guys go on vacation, where do you go? We don't usually fly very far, but we'll go home to Oregon or um, just go on road, road trips are really good for us. Um, but vacations are hard. I have to get my mind right that this is my family time. Family time for me is going to be productive time because I'm cultivating that relationship with them. But, you know, vacations are sometimes hard because I'm like, I'm going to lose clients. I'm not going to be on top of my work. I, I'm in, my business is going to start going downhill and I get preoccupied with that instead of trying to just relax. Oh I always God. will work out, right? Because I, that's a vacation to me is to work out and not have to, you know, do other things. <laughs> so I am so glad you said that because I, uh, okay. So I'm going to tell you my experience with this and I think that you'll appreciate it. Um, we were just talking about my wife and I were literally just talking about the exact thing you just said. When I was training, I would always say to her, if I leave, I guarantee you I'm going to lose a client. I guarantee it. It happens every single time. Somebody's going to fall off, if not two or three people, because mm -hmm. for whatever reason, if you're, you're not, you understand it. Mm -hmm. And so I said to her, I said, you know something? I said, when I stopped thinking that way, when I stopped thinking things are going to fall to shit when I leave and I stopped worrying about it and I was able to just say, Hey, even if I do lose a client, it is not the end of the world. I, I swear to God, it changed for me. And, and I had a, a shift in mind that I didn't really realize at the time. But now looking back, subconsciously, I would tell myself that things were going to fall apart. And they did every single time. <laughs> until I stopped saying that. And that power, um, and you've listened, I'm sure, to enough stuff from Ed. And do you listen or read uh, Joe Dispenza stuff? Um, not as much, but that is on my list to move forward into. Yep. It's phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so great. So I think that, you know, if we, we've been, you know, we've been programmed since a small age to think whatever it is we think a great example, like I said earlier, of me and eat meat. And they re, you know, they reiterated that in the thing last night and in, and it was marketing, right? I mean, it, it, and so it, I've, I've been convinced that that's what I was supposed to do for all these years. And now I question that because it, it is, it's a program that runs, you know, our subconscious mind runs 98% of what we do. Yeah. And if we're putting stuff in our subconscious mind that is not healthy for us, then not healthy stuff is going to come out. Like when you stepped on stage, you knew yeah. you were going to knock it out of the park, right? Yeah, of course. No but every question. time I trained, I was training myself, you know, for the 12 weeks that that's what I was going to do. I mean, in that, I did a post yesterday or the day before that was, you know, along the same lines, what the way you speak 
And what your subconscious says is how you're going to react or act. And so when people go to parties or events and holidays and stuff like that, and they start speaking like, oh, I'm so starving. And, you know, they're speaking these words. They're setting themselves up to, oh, this food looks amazing and I haven't eaten all day. And they're, they're telling themselves sub subconsciously making excuses for going out. But if you change the way that you speak and say like, oh, I'd love to have one dessert and let's share it, then that's totally different, right? So yeah, I agree with the thing about what you've said, you know, what you've said. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely true. And, and the, you know, what we say to ourselves lots of times determines how we feel and not lots of times it really, you know, the thoughts that we think turn into a feeling. If you, mm -hmm. if I say I'm starving, well, then your stomach starts to turn and you feel like you're starving. And then, well, now you found yourself in your hand, you know, with a handful of something you're not supposed to have. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I somehow I circle around to this in every single interview um, because I think it's so, or a conversation. I think it's so important that people understand how powerful our mind can be and how our mind can literally change the outcome of a situation. If we just, if we just use it for the right reason, if it kind of goes back to the intent. Well, it's also that thought, you know, that analogy of which wolf are you going to feed? You've got, you know, those two, I don't know. It looks like my battery looks like my battery is about to die on my phone. Um, which wolf are you going to feed? The negative or the positive? Like in any situation, your mind could go this way or that way. It's what you feed and what you have the nourishment to feed because you fed yourself, you know, all the proper tools and resources. But if you draw upon things that are negative or going to lead you down the right, the wrong direction, then that's the way that you've chosen to go. <laughs> that's absolutely right. So, um, all right. I don't want your phone to die. Uh, and so it's about time for us to wrap up. Is there anything else that you would say that uh, really quick about, you know, uh, people that are struggling with their weight or through the holidays? Because we're coming up on a hard time. How to avoid some of the weight gain? So I, I always say um, sustainability is a number one thing. If you're going all in 100, you know, 100% uh, killing it through the holidays, then you're going to get burned out whether it might be January 1st and all of a sudden you just want to throw in the towel. Um, but if you're able to do something that's sustainable, more of like an 80-20 approach where you're totally dialed in for 80% of the time and then 20% you're with your family or you're, you know, you're enjoying a little bit. Me personally, I ramp up my cardio output or my calorie output to make up for those flexible calories. But I would say come into it without sabotaging your holidays with your family and those traditions and memories, but with a plan of knowing 80% of the time I'm on, but we're going to a Christmas party tomorrow, and I know I'm going to have that. Um, that's my approach for the holidays, and then the rest of the year, it's more of a 90-10. 90% um, 90 of the time you're dialed in, 10% you have that little bit of flexibility. I don't think I've ever heard anybody explain it that way, so that was perfect. I love that. That's a great way to look at it. <laughs> so, uh, Chrissy, thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate you spending the time that you did today out from your family and, and your work. and doing the podcast with me. I really, really, really appreciate it. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, Thank you for inviting me. I've loved our conversation. And actually my husband heard your, um, when I was listening to your Instagram message and he's like, that guy sounds like Tom Hanks. <laughs> Holy, you're at, you are not the first person that's told me. That. I, I'm sure I'm not. And I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm going to get interviewed by the Tom Hanks voice. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny because I don't see it at all. 
So, um, well, thank you again, Christy. You guys have a great night and enjoy your holidays since we're talking about it and they're right around the corner. Yep. Yeah, you too. Thanks so All much right. for inviting You got it. Have a good night. Thank you for tuning into the Successful Life Podcast. We hope today's insights have ignited your passion and provided tools to shape your leadership journey. Remember, greatness is a journey, not a destination. Continue your pursuit by exploring more resources and insights over at coreybarrier.com. Until next time, keep leading, keep learning, and keep striving for excellence. Stay inspired and see you on the next episode.